Well, welcome to another God conversation. And I'm your host, Matt DeSmith, and I'm honored to have you join in this conversation with me today. And hey, if you're new to God conversations, let me just give you a brief overview of what you can expect. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I'm going to give a few thoughts from it. Some of them might be insightful. Some of them might be supposedly maybe deep. Some of them might just be practical. Some of them might just be observations. Uh, But really, the idea is not about my take on the passage. The whole idea is for you and for me to be able to take this conversation and have more conversations throughout the day. So as you process internally or externally with others, it's about taking this God conversation and taking it to have more God conversations in your life. Because really, the whole idea is this. If God truly is the center of our life, shouldn't he also be the center of our conversations? And please, if you enjoy this conversation in any way, shape, or form, uh, I'm going to just ask you to do me a personal favor. Please uh, comment, like, rate, review, uh, whatever, or, or subscribe, whatever you can do to help take this God conversation further. You can go to our YouTube site at Frontiers Church and you can subscribe or like or comment or rate this there. You can go to your favorite podcast platform and do the same there as well. Of course, when you subscribe, then the second one of these comes out, it is immediately sent to your device and you are able to listen right away. Also on social media, take the conversation there as well. Uh, It helps uh, more people to see this and to be a part of this God conversation. So please, please, please do that for me. Um, Also, I want you to know that my heart is truly uh, to be able to provide a way for all of us to start these God conversations. And so let's do that. Let's dive into today's passage, which will be uh, Acts chapter 4. But before we get there, again, just in case you're new and we kind of do these reviews from time to time, let me just start from the beginning and let's just review what's happened up to this point and where we find ourselves. Acts starts off with Luke saying, hey, by the way, I'm Luke. And he is writing to someone named Theophilus and he's writing this story of Jesus. And Acts really is a sequel to that story. Uh, The first part is known as the Gospel of Luke. And in that, Luke is writing to Theophilus and saying, here's everything that Jesus did. Here's who he was. Here's what he did on earth. In Acts, it's really this, here's what happened after Jesus, after he ascends to heaven, and what happens through the Holy Spirit and through the apostles. And so Luke is writing from that perspective, and he starts to tell us about how uh, Jesus is about to leave. He's about to ascend to heaven, and he says to his disciples, he says, stay and wait here in Jerusalem. But then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit on you, and he's going to 
empower you. He's going to give you the ability to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And we've spent some time on that word witness. Witness is this really churchy term, this really churchy phrase uh, that I think has kind of lost its meaning a little bit. And so we've been talking about what that really means is to be a witness just means someone who's sharing their story. You're just sharing your experience. You know, if you witness a car crash, you're being asked to recall the events of the car crash. If you witness something else, you are to recall those events as best as you can. Our job is to share our story. And that's what Jesus tells the disciples to do. So they go away and they are praying together for a few days, several days. And then all of a sudden, and this is how Acts chapter 2 starts, they are together and praying when all of a sudden this incredibly miraculous thing happens. And every person in that room starts to speak in a language that they don't know. And what they're doing is they are speaking in this language. They are sharing their story about Jesus in a language that they have never learned. And these thousands of people who are around them on the day of Pentecost are hearing this story being shared in their own native language. And they understand it. And everyone's like, what is going on? This is incredible. This is crazy. And they demand to know more. Thousands of people demanding to know more. What's going on? So in that kind of pause, Peter stands up, emboldened by the Holy Spirit, and he shares, here's what's happening. And he tells them, he shares his story. And then they want to know more. Like, what do we do now? And Peter continues to tell them about how they can be saved. Then we get a story at the end of chapter two that just talks about what these believers are now doing and how they're praying together daily. They're sharing meals with one another. They are uh, being generous with one another. They are going to the temple regularly and they are just devoting their lives to one another and they're devoting their lives to Jesus. And on one of these days, Peter and John are going to the temple. And this is where Acts 3 starts off. And as they're walking into the temple courts, there's a man there, crippled, begging for some money so that he can survive. And Peter and John look at him and say, hey, we don't have any money. But they're emboldened by the Holy Spirit to do something even further. And they look at him and they say, get up and walk. And the man gets up and he walks. And now the crowd sees what is happening. And hundreds, maybe thousands are gathering around wanting to know more. And so now, filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter again shares his story. And now that he has shared his story, there are even more who believe. And we're told that the total number has already come to 5,000 people between this incident and the things that are taking place in between and the day of Pentecost. So now, here's where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 4. 
And starting right here in verse 1, while they, meaning Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confronted them because they were annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized them and took them into custody until the next day, since it was already evening. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men alone came to about 5,000. And the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. After they had Peter and John stand before them, they began to question them. By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by what means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And we're going to stop there after verse 12. And I just want to break some of this down. I just want to give some of my thoughts, maybe some, again, insight or some, just a little bit of study into this. And really just looking at some of the things that I kind of questioned even and just bringing that up and let this be the prompt to start your God conversations today. Uh, just starting right off in verse one, you know, the Sadducees confront them. Why is it important to know that it's Sadducees? Well, first off, the Sadducees are the controlling party of the Sanhedrin. Like look at it this way. Think of it this way. There's two major religious political parties. There's the Pharisees, there's the Sadducees. And just like now, we have Republicans, we have Democrats, right? Uh, they are always in some way fighting for power. And when one has more members in it, they tend to take control. Sadducees right now are the controlling party, if you will. And the importance of that is the major difference between Sadducees and Pharisees. And that is that Sadducees only hold up a small portion of Scripture, which is the Torah, and call that holy, if you will. But they also don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So obviously there's a little bit of a problem here. And what the Sadducees, I think, are really reacting to is the claim that there is a resurrection of the dead. That's completely against their belief system. And so, in verse 2, they're annoyed because Peter and John are proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they're annoyed by it. They're, they're, they're reacting to that more than they are anything else. They don't care that there's a crippled man walking. 
they care that they're talking about the resurrection of the dead. And so moving on in verse 4, many who heard this message believed. Here's what I love about this. They arrest Peter and John, but that arrest doesn't stop others from believing. Your words, your actions, your deeds can never truly be silenced because once they are done, there's no taking it back. It doesn't matter what happens to us or to Peter and to John or whoever's preaching or speaking or witnessing or sharing their story or whatever. We cannot be silenced because words and actions cannot be taken back. Just because Peter and John are arrested doesn't mean that people stop believing. In fact, often it leads them to believe even more. And so in verse 7, Peter and John are standing before the Sanhedrin and, and they're asked, by what power or in what name have you done this? And the word here for name is a word in Greek called anama. Anama is interpreted as name most of the time. And here's kind of some of the meanings. Uh, one, it's the proper name of a person or a place, right? My name is Matt. That's my anama, right? It's also used as a reputation. It's the character of someone. So often name and character go hand in hand in Jewish culture. So my name is Matt or Matthew, which means gift of God. So really when someone would be addressing me, they would be saying, hey, gift from God. And it is expected to almost be a prophecy over my life. Now, if I choose to live a life that clearly does not reflect that I'm a gift from God, but maybe I'm a gift from something else, my name might change. Someone might give me a different name, a different, whether it be a nickname or just a, an actual proper name that better reflects my reputation or my character. So in this, by what name, by what reputation, by what character have you done this? It's also a title such as prophet or teacher, son, Lord. And lastly, it's an identity. My identity is in this. So when we pray in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, it's not a formula. It's not a magical phrase that makes everything work out. It's a declaration of expression of faith, identifying that Jesus is the name, the reputation, the character, the title above everything else. So by what power or in what name have you done this? And they haven't responded yet, but they're about to. And they're going to say, it's Jesus. By what power or what name? In Jesus' name and in the power of his name. So then, after this question, by what power? Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
as I continue to go through Acts, I'm so amazed at how often any incredible thing that happens starts with, and so-and-so was filled with the Holy Spirit. So-and-so was empowered with the Holy Spirit. So-and-so was led, given a special ability through the Holy Spirit. And it always just makes me think, am I relying enough on the Holy Spirit to do what I need to do as well? Are you finding yourself in situations where you cannot survive unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit, unless God does something in you and through you. And that always just makes me feel like I'm living life way too safe. Peter then in verse nine kind of reminds them of why they're there. And personally, I think this is him knowing that there's Sadducees in front of him, that really they're annoyed and upset because he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. And he knows that that's why he got arrested. And so Peter, before he even addresses any of that, reminds them of why they're here. He says, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, dot, dot, dot. There is a crippled man who is now walking. Is that what we're being examined for? Or are we being examined for something else? Too often, don't we all get a little sidetracked on details or minutia of things? In fact, uh, and I don't, sometimes this happens for good reason, but sometimes often not. Uh, church splits or groups of people divide or marriages end in divorce because sometimes we tend to focus on the little things and we blow those little things way out of proportion. And here Peter's saying, hey, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's not get sidetracked on resurrection of the dead. A crippled man is walking. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is and always will be Jesus. Peter continues and he says, let it be known that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there's the answer to what name. And then he decides to throw it back in their face. Like, like yeah, you remember him? Yeah, about, oh, a couple months ago, that's the one you crucified. Oh, and just to twist the knife a little bit, the one whom God raised from the dead. By that name, this man is standing before you healthy. And goes on to say, and there is salvation in no one else. This person, this name, Jesus, is the answer. And so Peter now is sharing his story. He's sharing his experiences. And when you, if you go back through Luke or any of the gospels and you see all the times that Peter is mentioned, you kind of follow his story. You can see all of these things that he experienced 
walking beside Jesus for over three years. Look, salvation isn't found in the Torah. Salvation isn't found through ceremonies and traditions. uh, Salvation isn't found in Moses, nor David, nor Abraham. Salvation is only found through Jesus. But this isn't the end of this conversation. As we come back next time, we're going to see the rest of this, the rest of this conversation, the rest of Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin and everything that takes place from there. So be sure to join us next time and be a part of this interaction as we kind of dive into this and let it become prompts for our God conversations today. And as they share their story and we listen and watch and read them sharing their story, let's remember to share our story. Not sure what your story is? Find it. In fact, next time, we'll dive in a little bit more into maybe some practical ways in which we can find our story and share our story. Because I get it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know what to say or what our story even is. You know, sometimes we can look at someone else and be like, well, their story is amazing. Uh, I got nothing like that in mind. <laughs> like, what, what am I supposed to say here? And so next time, we'll go ahead and dive into that a little bit more. And I'll try and give some practical uh, hints and tips and tricks on how to share your story and to know your story even better. But honestly, for today, my job's over. And now it's time for you to do your job. Keep this conversation going. Ask questions to God in yourself. Process it internally and process it externally with others. Ask God for clarification. Start conversations with your coworkers and your friends and your family. Let this be a devotion for you and your kids and your family today. Know your story and share your story because that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. And we can trust the Holy Spirit to give opportunities for us and to give us boldness and to give us the right words and the ability. We just have to trust him. So, hey, this God conversation today can be the launch pad for you to share your story. And again, if this has been meaningful for you in any way, please do me a giant favor by sharing on social media, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, keep the conversation going and let others find this conversation as well. And it would be a huge favor to me uh, if you could do those things. If you've missed any previous God Conversations, you can always go back and watch them on either YouTube at Frontiers Church or on your favorite through your favorite podcast platform. Uh, type in and search God Conversations. And with all that said, I just want to thank you for listening. I want you to know that I'm praying for you and for your God Conversations today. And uh, 
Let's remember that if God is the center of our life, shouldn't God also be the center of our conversations? Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to start another God conversation with you next time. And until then, keep sharing your story. Thanks. We'll see you.